Well, we've been on our series on the heart of man, and I'll be honest with you, I've really been enjoying it. It's been a good for me to, to search through the Scriptures. It's impacted me. It's dramatically affected my life. And I encourage you that if you haven't been outside of the service, you need to get the CD or you know download it off the web or get the podcast. Man, we got all kinds of ways you can get uh, the Word of God here. But you need to hear it a few times, okay? So let's go to our main text, Proverbs 4, verse 23 in the Amplified. We'll see that on the screen. And it says, Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. Or out of your heart flows the source of life. Your connection to the life of God is through your heart. And we want to keep our heart pure. We want to filter out the junk in the world, all the different things that can kind of poison it and keep it the way it should be. Because, again, it is the most important part of us. We learn that the heart of man is the innermost being, or in other words, the spirit of man. And your heart determines everything about you. Everything about you. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. I like to say, For as a man or a woman thinks in their heart, so they are. All right? I want everybody to see that. Look at that real closely, because this is you. For as you think in your heart, the innermost part of you, that is who you are. Now, we mentioned that we're not necessarily all satisfied with who we are. There's things that we would like to see change. Well, it starts in your heart. It starts in your heart, okay? There. You can try to change things externally, but that isn't going to change anything because here's the problem. You are who you are. You've heard me say this before. I want everybody listening closely. People will run away from things in life. And they think, well, if I move here, or I move there, or I change my job, or I get out of this situation, or out of this marriage, that things will be better. But here's one problem with this situation. You took you along. And guess what? You took you along, that means you took what with you? All the problems. And now you're over here. Now, you might say, well, it seems like it's fresh when it first starts, and it does. But guess what? It'll catch up with you. In other words, you'll look in the mirror and you're still you. So you have to change your heart. You have to, on the inside, we want to see God work with us and change our heart. That will change our life. Remember, your heart determines the course of your life. Any area, any area. So you think of what you want to see changed and it starts with you and the Lord and your heart. Once you get it solved there, it will begin to manifest on the outside of your life. Your heart is the master control center of your whole life. Again, your heart determines the course of your life. Let me say it this way. If your heart is poisoned, your whole life will be poisoned. Because everything flows from your heart. But if your heart is filled with the life of God through His Word and obedience to His Word, then your whole life will be filled with the life of God. Everything in your life will be touched and impacted by that life. That's how you improve your life. Not by making outward changes, but by making inward changes. And once you make those inward changes, the outside will naturally change. It can't help it. 
Because again, everything is determined by your heart. Now, we're going to look at a different area today, and I really want you to be open-minded, open-hearted. The Lord, again, encouraged you this morning, so pay close attention. Let's look at Matthew chapter 22. We're going to read verses 36 through 38. This is where a lawyer came up to Jesus and tried to trick him and ask him a question about what was the most important thing you could do. What is the greatest commandment? Most of you are familiar with this. And he said this in verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Everybody, first and great. Say it, first and great. So what does that say? Love God with all your heart is first and foremost mentioned here. That is the priority. It starts with your heart. Say this with me. I am to love God with all my heart. Now I'm going to look around because I saw a few of you didn't say it. Ready? Say, I am to love God with all my heart. Now, I've mentioned this before. And I know I I would kind of pick at it a little bit, but remember I'd say, what does the word all mean? All. You can look up every dictionary type of thing you want to, and you're going to come up with all. But I did something profound, okay? I looked up the literal translation of the word all in here. All right, you ready? Guess what it said? (laughs) All. (laughs) Now, it gave a few other words of what it means. It means this. It means complete, whole, entire. In other words, all means what? Nothing is left. There's no more room for anything. 100%. There is no more room. Everything is gone because all is all. All means everything. Now, God created us and He knows us. How many would agree with us? All right? He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you inside and out. He knows your motive. He knows what you're going to say long before it ever comes out your mouth. All right? He is God Almighty, and He knows everything. He created us, and He told us the greatest thing that we could do was to love Him with all of our heart. Think about that for a moment. The greatest thing you could do is to love God with all your heart. Now, He told us to love him everybody say love all right now that's a key word all your heart all and love now how do i love him how do i express my love to god well i want to go back to the old testament to help us here deuteronomy chapter 10 and let's look at verses 12 through 13 and it says here and now israel what does the lord your god require of you He requires only that you fear the Lord. Now, does everybody understand that does not mean be afraid of the Lord? The word fear here is reverential, okay? Highly respecting, okay? What do we do if the President of the United States come in? You know, comes in a room. You stand in respect, you know. The military would have certain things they would do. In other words, that's how you handle the situation. Or a king or someone prominent coming in a particular place. Well, who is greater than God, right? 
So he should have a reverential fear or respect for him. Not afraid of like he's going to hurt me, but an awesome fear about him. Okay, He is who he is. And so the Bible says here, and requires only that we fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Who's good? Everybody say, my good. Is it to your advantage to do this? He says, for your own good. It's not God's good. Do you think, let me ask you a question. Do you think God, we're going to cripple him, we're going to stop him if we don't love him? You think, do you think that's going to slow him down? Is he still God, right? So he's God whether we love him or not. He's God whether we praise and honor him and put him first or not. It's not going to affect him. Who's it going to impact? You and you and you and you and me. It's going to impact us. And he said, this is for your own good. Our creator said, this is for your own good. Do this and it's good for you. All right? We want, to, we, we want to sit there. We want to run our lives. We want to do our thing. But the reality is, that's like, a, that's like a five-year-old. No! I want to do it. You ever have a four- or five-year-old do that to you? No! I want to do it. And they just mess it up. And you're looking at them thinking, I would love to help you, honey, but you won't let me. Right? That's us. Except we're 45 and got a mustache. No, I want to do it. I want to run my own life. Man, I tell you, can you imagine the perspective from our father's viewpoint at us sometimes? But the reality is he did this for our own good. It is our own good to honor him, to serve him, to live this way. Love is an action. I've taught you that many times. It is clear from Scripture that if you love someone, that you would express that love through action, not just words. Let me give you an example. For God sent His only Son into the world because He loved us so much that He sent Jesus to the world to pay the price to bring us back in connection, in fellowship with Him, in relationship with Him. And what did Jesus say while He was on the earth? He said, I did not come to be served, but what? To serve. All right? Do you see that? That is love in action. That is, love is serving. That is an action. That is doing something. And God is showing us this is real love. Real love is laying your life down. Real love is expressed through action and service. We express our love to God. By laying down our lives, by giving our lives, through honoring His Word, number one. We honor His Word. What does honoring His Word mean? That we just take it around and we say, oh, this is precious, this is valuable, this is precious, and then we put it up on the, on the bookshelf. Is that honoring His Word? No. Honoring His Word is what? What do you have for me today, Father? What's in here? What can I do? What can I act on? Because this is your Word. This is what you said. This is how you told me to live. And I live my life the way he shows me through his word, how it's revealed to me. That's honoring him. And then we live that way in a way that pleases him, that honors him. In other words, we're laying down our lives in service. The word of God tells us that your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. That price was the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
our life is not our own to just live any way we want. We should be giving it in service. And guess what that is? It's for our own good. It's not that we're missing out on something. I don't know about you, but I'd like to miss out on divorce. I'd like to miss out on cancer. I'd like to miss out on not having enough. I'd like to miss out on having one of my kids, something bad happening. I'd like to miss out. How about, how about you guys? Are there some things in life you'd just like to miss out on? Then I suggest you go the Lord's way. That's the best way. Now, that does not guarantee that bad things aren't going to happen. But that does guarantee that i got God and me working together. And he knows a lot more about things than I do. Amen? When I'm sleeping, he's still working. <laughs> right? When I'm a dunce, he's still smart. <laughs> right? Amen? Come on, everybody go like this so I can hear the rocks rolling around. All right? Sometimes we're not that bright, but the Lord is. Amen? He knows all things. Sometimes we're stubborn, but praise God, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Aren't you grateful for that? Aren't you grateful the Lord's not moody? No, I don't want to talk to you today. I don't feel like it. You were mean to me. You ignored me. Aren't you grateful that you don't get that answer when you talk to him? Amen? Because sometimes you're a brat that way. And praise God, he's not. He is always the same. Listen, I want to make a statement. I want everybody listening closely. Serving God is inseparable from obeying his word. Let me say that again. Serving God is inseparable from obeying His Word. Why? God and His Word are inseparable. You cannot separate God from His Word. Listen to me. God and His Word are one and the same. All right? Now, that's a whole level of teaching there, but all you've got to do is go to the book of John, the gospel of John, and start reading the first few verses. And you will see what I'm talking about. It's talking about Jesus coming, but it calls him the Word. All right? And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We called him who? Jesus. Right? Everybody follow me so far? But everybody say this with me. God and His Word are one and the same. So in other words, if I love God, I must what? Love His Word. If I respect God, I respect His Word. If I honor God, I honor His Word. If I don't honor His Word, uh uh-oh, what does that mean? I don't honor Him. His Word, one and the same. I want everybody to write this down. Everybody ought to write this down. This is a really important one, okay? Obedience reveals our commitment to Christ. Obedience reveals our commitment to Christ. You need to meditate on that. I need to meditate on that. Because that's a big statement. Obedience reveals our commitment to Christ. How do I know? Jesus told me so. Look with me at John 14, 15 in the Amplified. He says, if you really love me, you will keep or obey my commands. Jesus is telling you and I this morning, listen to me carefully. If you really love me, everybody listening, sound listening. All right, pay close attention. If you really love me, obey my commands, obey my word, honor my word. 
You know, we look at the word obey sometimes and it turns us off a little bit. But what he's meaning is highly respect, honor his word, do what he said. If you love him, then you will respect what he said. You can't separate him and his word. Now, I said all that to bring us to where we're going to real quickly look at this morning. All right? I want to point out three things real quickly. Number one, we've all concluded so far in this series that our heart is the most important part of us, right? It's the center of our life. It is everything and it must be kept, it must be guarded, it must be protected. We can't just let anything in, all right? We need to make sure we're putting God's Word in, the life of God, but not other things, all right? They need to be filtered. Secondly, we learned that God wants how much of our heart? He wants about 80%. How much does he want? All. Everybody say all. He wants 100% nothing left over. That's what he said in his word, right? All of our heart. And thirdly, that if we love him, we would what? Obey his word, right? If we really love him, and he told us to love him with all of our heart, if we really love Him, then we would honor His Word, that His Word is important in our life, that we're in that Word. We're not just coming on Sunday and heard it, and that's good for the week. We are absorbing it, okay? We are living our life based on what we learn from His Word, all right? Just like you are this morning, okay? Except this should be a continual thing in our life. We live our life in a way that pleases Him. That means live by His word those three things we've established all right now this is where i want to go god doesn't want to share you god doesn't want to share all right i want you to hear what i'm saying god wants your heart he doesn't want to share it he wants all of it now i want you to think with me for just a moment because jesus compared the body of christ's relationship with the lord with marriage the husband and wife all right, you can read that in the book of Ephesians, but let me break it down for you real quickly. In marriage, for example, my wife Lisa, she didn't commit part of her life to me when we were getting married. She gave all of her life to me, so much that she gave up her family's name. She gave up everything, all right, to come to be connected to me and took what's mine. And vice versa, I gave everything to her. In other words, I left my mom and dad, all right? I disconnected, and now my life is hers, and everything I have, everything I'm capable of, is now hers. Okay, everybody follow me so far. That's the marriage covenant. Now, we have a covenant with God, and the covenant we have with God is much like the love and commitment in marriage. And what I mean by that is this. We are to give ourselves over completely to the Lord. Nothing left. Now, there's a beautiful part of this I want you to see. All right? Listen carefully. There's a beautiful thing about this because we think, man, Lord wants all of me. The fact is, this love and commitment with the Lord goes both ways. You see, the Lord has committed to you wholly and held nothing back. And we just don't get it. We don't fully understand His love, and that's what makes us think that He's holding something back. Remember when the Lord encouraged us earlier? How do we remove fear? We understand and grow in His love for us. There is no fear, the Bible says, in mature love, perfect love. In other words, that doesn't mean perfect in the sense of never making a mistake, guys. It means mature, understanding His love. 
It is so important that we get a hold of the love of God because it removes all fear. It removes everything that's negative. I have total trust in Him. Well, the Lord is asking 100% from us, but He's also willing to give 100% of Himself. He has. Do you realize in the covenant that we have with the Lord, in the new covenant, that when we got born again with the blood of Jesus, I'm telling you guys, everything that you have now belongs to Him but everything he has now belongs to you. You get that. Man, I tell you, he offers a lot more to the relationship than you did. Right? He's God Almighty. He owns everything. I mean, he's got it all. And, I mean, he, think about what he brings to this relationship. What he's bringing on his end. And he's giving it all to you. But see, we sometimes don't remember that. We forget about that. Can you see how powerful this is? So in other words, when we give all of ourselves to Him, we also have access to all His resources. Everything is ours. I tell you guys, that's just amazing. Now with all that said, when God is making decisions and is looking for someone to fulfill His plans and purposes on the earth, Believe it or not, he looks for certain qualifications. And he starts with the heart of man. I said everything I said up to that point to get to this. That he starts with the heart of man. He does look. All right, And I'm going to prove that in Scripture. Remember, the heart, as we have learned, is at the center of the life of man. Who he is. What he is capable of. His character. His integrity. His ability to trust and act is all based around his heart. Remember Proverbs 23, 7. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. All right? Now remember in the Old Testament, when King Saul disobeyed the Lord, remember Israel never had a king, okay? And they were clamoring for a king because they wanted to be like every other country. They wanted to be like everybody else. Isn't that all of our problems sometimes? We want to be like everybody else or like the cool kids, all right? And Israel wanted to be like the other cool nations. They wanted to be like them, and so they were asking God for a king. Well, God wanted to be their king. Why would you want any other king if you have God? But nonetheless, God relinquished and allowed them. Now, he warned them, if you let a man be king, this is what's going to happen. And he laid it all out for him, and guess what happened? Isn't it amazing? God knew what he was talking about. And guess what happened? It just it didn't go like they thought it would go. But King Saul was the first pick. And he was barely king for any amount of time and already started disobeying the Lord. So he did exactly opposite what the Lord commanded him through the Samuel the prophet. And so God speaks to Samuel the prophet and tells him, go tell Saul this. And he revealed something very important about the heart of man. So let's look on the screen. This is 1 Samuel 13, 13 and 14 in the New Living. And let's jump right in. This is Samuel speaking. He says, How foolish, Samuel exclaimed, you have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end. Now look here. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. 
The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Now there are a few things I want you to notice about these couple of verses that are so important to us. Number one, King Saul disobeyed the Lord's commands. Okay, we all understand that. He disobeyed what the Lord told him to do. And Scripture tells us what? That if we love God, we what? Obey His... Okay, I want to make sure we're all connected here because I felt like there was, that was weak. If we love God, we obey His... All right, let's try that again. If we love God, we obey His... Okay, everybody this time. Ready? If we love God, we obey His... All right. Is that important to the Lord? Apparently it is. Very important to the Lord. After all, who is the king representing? His beloved nation. His sheep. The sheep of his pasture. The one he, he loves and he takes care of. And the king is responsible for all that. So what does he want? He wants a king that obeys his commands. And what is his commands for? Our own Good, right? So I want you to see something real quickly. What does Saul's disobedience to the Lord's command tell us about Saul's heart? Think about it for a minute. If your heart determines the course of your life, everything is determined, and Saul immediately disobeys the Lord, and he's barely king for any amount of time, what does that say about Saul's heart? Think about it for a minute. It's not very positive, is it? In other words, he doesn't have a heart to serve God, to honor God, to obey his every word. Think about that. He's not highly respecting. He's not highly honoring his word. Number two, the Lord sought. Everybody say sought. This is very important. I want you to notice this. The Lord sought another man to replace him as king. The Lord was looking, actively searching for this man. He was going back and forth over all the land of Israel looking for a king. The Lord was searching for a man who had a heart after him. In other words, the man's heart, he's looking for someone sold out to the Lord. He's looking for someone in his heart that would obey the Lord's command. I want you to picture this. Remember, our heart is everything. Okay, So the Lord is searching back and forth, looking at hearts. He is studying the hearts of men. The heart of man reveals who he is. I don't know how many times I can say that. The heart of man reveals who he really is. And the Lord was searching hearts. He was actively examining the hearts of men to find the right person, to find the king that had a heart after him. Proverbs 27.19 tells us, as a face is reflected in water, right? You look at water and your face is reflected, so the heart reflects the real person. Do you see this? The Lord is looking at the what? At the heart to determine who's best for the job. He's not looking for, and this is the difference between the Lord and us. What would we be looking for? We would be looking for degrees. Do you have any experience at being something like a king? Have you ever managed a Burger King? Have you, and he might go down a list, you know, and he might, we would go through all these things, right? But the Lord 
knows that the heart reveals the real person and he's looking at the heart. He's studying the heart. Now that doesn't mean someone's perfect. Okay? That doesn't mean they can't disobey, but he knows the heart. He can see the heart of the person and knows what their motivations are, what their desires are, what they will do in their life. And it will, it, their heart reveals that to the Lord. This is clear from Scripture. As I said before, your heart, listen carefully, your heart is directly connected to your words, your actions, and your body. Everything you do is connected to your heart. Now, let me give you a, an example of this. I was joking about the, how we would interview, but I used to work for a secular company uh, years and years ago. Seems like years and years ago now. And uh, I have done many, many interviews. I worked in a technical department all the way where we had engineering level, all the way down to people who just uh, ripped boxes apart. <laughs> I mean, there was everything in between. And so one of my jobs as technical coordinator was to interview people and determine who might be best for what job and so on and so forth. And so I would do these interviews. And did you know that, that people will tell you what you want to hear in an interview? I quickly learned I can't go by what they say because they'll say whatever I want to hear. Most people, that's what you do, right? You prepare, you look sharp. You know, I told you guys about the girl that interviewed with me for the job at that same plant, that same company, and she came in. She looked so sharp. She had some college education, and I was not <laughs> educated in that regard. I was sharp, but I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't have it on paper, you know, and I did my best, but she looked so much sharper than me. She talked sharp. She looked sharp, and I thought, I'm going to lose. I'm not going to win. And it was down to the two of us. Well, they ended up hiring both of us. And so the, to train us in some of the products so we would know about them, they stuck us in a room together, and we just watched videos. And this girl transformed right in front of me. The woman changed big time right before my eyes. And I mean went downhill from there. She got fired in three weeks. I mean, but see, no one knew what I knew except I was in the room, and I just kept my mouth shut. I mean, I was new, you know, who am I to say anything about this girl? But I'm thinking, that is not the same person that was in that interview. I'm telling you, she's different. I mean, she just, she just changed so much. I'm like, how is this possible? Well, the fact is, what does that mean? That you can't judge a book by its cover, right? Well, when I would do interviews, I learned very quickly, I can't just listen to what they say because they'll just tell me anything I want to hear. You know, that's the way people are. So what I started doing was I would come up with a project and have them come in a second time. And whatever their job was, I would set them down with a, a problem to solve. All right. And I would leave them with it. Now, if they were an engineer, I would take a product. If they were like an electrical engineer and I would take a product and I would have one of the really smart guys in my group. I'd say, I want you to create a problem with this, but very small. And I'm gonna, and then we're gonna give it to them and see if they can't find it, you know, and solve the problem. And I would do that to do what? I wanted to determine what kind of person they were under pressure. So I would give them maybe I'd say, okay, you have 30 minutes, start now. And I'd say, just do the best you can. And I would leave them alone, but I would observe them from a distance just to see what they're doing, you know. Now I did tell them, you can't ask anybody for help. You're on your own, and we'll just see what you come up with. And I would see them sneak over to someone. 
you know, can you help me out? Well, that's cheating. I don't think I want them, right? I mean, they already lied. They already cheated, you know. I would observe how they handle it. Some of them would, ah! you know, just because they were so mad, you know. Well, what does that tell me? You probably don't have the skill because that was a simple problem to solve. Even I may have been able to figure it out, you know. You didn't prove yourself there. But some of them would go so far as to solve it or they would come really close and they admit, I think it's this, but I'm not quite sure. And they were right on the money. You know, and they were honest about it. Well, that told me something about their character, their integrity, right? But if they got up and they cheated when I told them not to ask anybody, what does that say? They're going to cheat. They're going to lie, right? And I, what I would do is, for the higher-paying jobs, the one that were a big deal, that were harder to get, I'd do three interviews. And I would, I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to see consistency in the pattern and what they did. I would pay close attention to their behavior. I just wasn't a guy that says, yeah, you're hired. And then regret it. And boy, there was people that did that all the time. So you had people coming and going, like McDonald's. I mean, just coming and going, coming and going. Well, these jobs were too valuable to to mess up like that. The reality is, though, no matter how hard I worked at my interviewing process, no matter how much I scrutinized them, guess what I couldn't do? I couldn't see in their heart. I couldn't really tell who they really were. All I could do is, by a few interview processes, try to determine their character, what I can pull out of them. But the reality is, I really don't know who they are. And guess what? Sometimes I'd hire someone based on, well, everything seemed to look pretty good. They've been consistent, and it was a disaster after bringing them in. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you hired someone maybe to do some work in your home, you know, or fix something, or a mechanic, or something like that. Jack's not like that. He's perfect. He's, he's got it down. He keeps his word. What I mean is that's perfect as far as I'm concerned, somebody who keeps his word. But there are a lot of guys that will find other problems. You ever find a mechanic like that? You go take it in for one little minor thing, and all of a sudden now you're $2,000 in the hole. Why? Because he found things. Well, if, a good, if he's a good mechanic, he probably can find other things. That doesn't mean they have to be dealt with right now. You know what I'm saying? They're not something that serious. The reality is we all want somebody honest. We all want somebody trustworthy. But the only way we really can determine that is by looking in their heart. And guess what? I can't do that. Not without the Lord's help. He can reveal to me and show me. But the fact is, no matter what, I can't see what's in someone's heart. The heart of man reveals who they really are. God looks at the heart to determine what someone is really like. Now listen carefully. I want to say that again because you could see that and think, well, I guess God gets it right every time. I believe God picks the right person every time, but it doesn't mean they always follow through. Listen closely. The heart of man reveals who they really are. God looks at the heart to determine what someone is really like. That doesn't mean God picks perfect people. Not at all. In fact, if you look throughout Scripture... (laughs) He very rarely picks the top people. Very rarely. He picked people that he saw something in their hearts that would lean towards him. That doesn't mean they always made right decisions. David was picked, remember? But did he not make some colossal mistakes? Colossal. But guess what? He was quick to repent, quick to adjust. And God knew that. God's not expecting us to be perfect. He's expecting us to trust him and obey him. The Lord has a history of picking people that the world would skip over. I often used to think, 
why, Lord, did you pick me to do some of the things you did? And he told me one time, he said, because I can trust you. You won't hurt anybody. You won't steal. You won't do certain things. It wasn't that I knew all kinds of things. In fact, to be honest with you, sometimes I felt very useless. I felt very, like, I, I'm not equipped for this. I can't do this. But that wasn't his concern. His concern was my heart. Would I trust him? Would I obey him? Would I do what he told me to do no matter how much pressure was on me? That's what he was looking for. Well, when King Saul sinned, as we talked about, and didn't obey the Lord's commands, the Bible says that God went searching for someone after his own heart. In other words, the Lord began searching for someone who had a heart to obey the Lord. Well, finally the Lord found him. I want you to understand, finally the Lord searched and searched and searched, and he finally finds this one guy. However, he wasn't a man or woman that most people would have picked. Remember the old expression like we said earlier, you can't judge a book by its cover. You've got to get into it and read it and take it in to find out, hey, this is pretty good. Well, look with me at a story that we can see there in 1 Samuel chapter 16. This is the Lord picking the right person. Remember, you can't judge a person by what you see externally. Real quickly, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem and find a man named Jesse who lives there. For I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Everybody say one of his sons. All right, he's got a lot of sons. All right, one of his sons. And so Samuel does what he said. We're going to skip right to it. All right, so he's there and he lines up the sons. Verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab. Eliab was the oldest. He was sharp and probably very handsome looking, very you know, muscular. He looked like, man, that would be a king. That would, that would look good. And so uh, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What does the heart reveal? Who a person really is. And he looked at all of his sons, and you guys, most of you know the story. Remember, another brother stands there and he moves over. Oh, this is the one. Lord said, nope. (laughs) And he goes through all these sons, and he's like, okay, here's the deal. The Lord said, it's one of your sons. Well, the father totally didn't even consider, wasn't even a thought that his youngest son who's out there working might be the one. Isn't that interesting? The father didn't even regard him. No human would have looked at him. No human would have looked at Jesus, the anointed, and said, he's our Savior. You would not have looked at him, the Bible says, and said he's the one. Why? He looked ordinary. He looked ordinary. He just, the most ordinary person, the person that everyone would say, you couldn't do it. And it seems like the Lord looks again, what? It doesn't seem like he does. He looks at the heart of the person. He doesn't look at the outside. He's not looking. He's not judging by they look the part. They feel the part. They have experience. He's not looking at any of that. He's looking at their heart to find out what is their heart after. What is their desires? What is the thing that means the most to them? 
Well, the Lord finally revealed to Samuel that the youngest son, David, again, the one that even the father overlooked, was chosen to be king over Israel. And he's just some kid. (laughs) And it took years for him to finally take the throne. Okay, But it didn't matter to David. Why? David just wanted to obey the Lord. He just wanted to honor Him. He trusted the Lord, even as a young age. How do we know that? Well, I don't know. A little story about Goliath tells us. Remember? The lion, the bear. See, David was responsible for the sheep. And a lion came along. And the Bible says God anointed him, and he took care of that lion to protect it. In other words, his, what he was supposed to do was protect those sheep. He was the shepherd. And God anointed him because he trusted the Lord to take out the lion. Then a bear came along and took care of him. Then Goliath came along. Now, was David? did David notice Goliath was like, dear Lord, <laughs> I mean, look at him. He's mad. Of course, he could see everything, but what he saw was just, he saw God bigger than Goliath. He trusted the Lord. And the Bible says what? Did he go like this when he went after Goliath? And try to drag it out real slow? No. The Bible says he ran. Why? He knew the Lord would back him up. He knew that God was on his side because he trusted the Lord. He was a man after God's own order. It wasn't that David was special. He was just the only one that would trust the Lord. Do you see that? Could that have been King Saul running out after Goliath? Could have been if he would have had a heart after the Lord. It could have been a young girl for all we know. Right? Could have been another Mary. It could have, been, could have been any number of people, but David was the only one the Lord could find that had a heart after him, that truly would follow his word. And so he's the one that he went after. Listen to me carefully. God is still searching hearts today. This expression is sometimes overused, but I want all of you to listen. God is not looking for ability as much as he is looking for availability and i know that it has been overused but it's true god is not looking for someone with degrees he's not necessarily looking for someone on how they look he's not looking at those things he's looking at do they have a heart that is yielded after me how many of you want to be used by the lord you want your life to count no put your hand up i'm serious you want your life to count Don't you want to make a difference in this world? I mean, if the Lord wanted us in heaven when we got born again, He would have took us. But He had a mission and a plan that He needed to fulfill, and He kept you here. And what your whole life is about is honoring Him and His plan and purpose for your own good. And He wants you to enjoy life on the way. You see, life shouldn't be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Thank God Friday's here. And then you get Saturday and Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And you go through the same routine. Life should be an adventure. Life should be you trusting the Lord and dealing with the Goliaths that come your way. Life is God. You can hear God and be used by God and make a difference in someone's life, in many lives. I'm so glad I obeyed the Lord. 
are you not glad I obeyed the Lord? Or I wouldn't be here in front of you. In other words, every single one of us, God has a plan and a purpose. You might say, well, I don't know what it is. Well, I know, I know this, that all you've got to do is honor His Word. That all you've got to do is be willing to listen in your heart. But see, here is it all comes down to this. Everybody say the heart.